the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for today and getting everything working properly. Thank you for my special guest, Greg, and, and for the camera person. And, and Lord, be with me and my words. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, believe it or not, we're in Psalm 66 this morning, and I'm going to start by just going ahead and reading. And I'm using the um, King James Version. So here goes. To the chief musician, a song or song. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thy enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. That's a pause. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. Where did we rejoice in him? He ruleth by his power for forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves, Selah. Bless, I'm sorry. Oh, bless our God, ye people and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net, thou laidest, layest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go unto the house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth had spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt offerings, burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks and goats, Selah. Come and hear all ye that fear God. I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was exalted, I'm sorry, extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God has heard me. He had attended to my voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Thank you for your word, Lord. Okay, I want to introduce my special guest today. I think I've known Greg for at least 15 years, if not more. And um, we met through the Ministry to Muslims Ministry. And he's actually been on my show before. He, if you want to go back and um, take a look at his show that he was on before, it would be episode 45. But as a reminder to our guests that may be listening, Greg, I'd, his name is Greg Maxwell. I forgot to give you, your, you know, no, your full name. It's okay. Um, Greg, I understand we're going to do the second half of your show that you did with us. Yes. On Mormonism. Yes. So go ahead. Oh, all right. Uh, first of all, uh, if you're uh, a Mormon and you're, you happen to be looking at this, I wanted to tell you that I love you. I'm not an anti-Mormon. I've read the Book of Mormon. I've read the Doctrine of Covenants. I went ahead and uh, have a, a vast library of books. Uh, I played volleyball for uh, the West Covina Third Ward uh, when I was an athlete in college. They would ask me to come and play. Some of my friends were uh, Latter-day Saints, and 
uh, they got me interested in, you know, reading the Book of Mormon and looking <laughs> at the Book of Mormon. And uh, when I looked at it and read it, uh, I just found some differences. Uh, they, they asked me to go ahead and pray on it. But I knew from my study of the Bible that we don't pray to see if something's true. Uh, so uh, uh, one of the scriptures that they shared with me was James 1.5. And that basically, uh, I'll go ahead and read that. And I use the Holman Bible, but I do have the authorized King James Version used by the uh, Latter-day Saints. And James 1.5 says, Now if you lack wisdom, he should ask of God who gives to us generously and without criticizing it will be given to him. And then they have me read a scripture in Moroni 10.4 and 5. And basically, uh, if you want to look at it, here it is right here. It's page uh, 529. And that reads, uh, it's uh, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. And when ye have received these things, I will exhort you that you will ask God, the, uh, the Eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, if these things are not true. If you ask with a sincere heart and with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it and tell you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of these things. And then uh, one of their other scriptures is Doctrine and Covenants, section 9, verses 8 through 9. And that basically just tells you to go ahead and pray. And when you pray, God will give you a burden in your bosom. But I know from a study of the scriptures that we don't go ahead and pray to see if something's true. Uh, that's not the way that we go ahead and trust uh, test truth, really. The way that we go ahead and test truth is uh, the examples that were, were given in the Bible. And uh, one example that I think of was a great example is in Acts 17 with, uh, with the Apostle Paul. It's Acts 17, 1 through 3. Okay. All right, and I'll go ahead and read that. And this is Paul. So what Paul did, uh, he went to the uh, synagogues to go ahead and preach to uh, the Jews. In uh, Acts 17... It reads this way, and then they traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica. There was a Jewish synagogue, and as usual, Paul went to them on three Sabbath days and reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah, Christ, had to suffer and rise from the dead, from the dead, saying, "This is the Messiah, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you." Then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of leading women. And then if you go to verses uh, 10 through uh, 12, it says here, uh, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea on arrival. They went into the synagogue of the Jews, and the people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures day to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believe, including a number of prominent Greek women and men. So what we're being taught there is that uh, by Paul and by the scriptures is that Paul, when he went to the synagogue, he didn't tell the people to sit down and pray to see if the Torah was true. When Paul talked about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he went ahead, they picked up the scriptures of the Bereans, they're called noble Bereans, and, and pursued the truth. They went ahead and seen if the message of Paul was true on what he was saying. And that gives us uh, the same example with the Book of Mormon. Uh, James isn't telling us to go ahead and pray to see if the Book of Mormon's true. Uh, uh, there's a difference between uh, wisdom and knowledge, and it's not talking about uh, knowledge here in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Uh, uh, James went ahead and seen Jesus rise from the dead, and that's what made him a believer, was a resurrection of Christ, the same message that Paul and Silas went ahead and preached here. So it's a resurrection of Christ. We don't go ahead and pray to go ahead and see if uh, a book is true. Any later revelation that comes, which is the Book of Mormon, has to be tested by former revelation, which is the Bible. The Holy Ghost will never go ahead and contradict the Holy Ghost. And uh, a really good scripture that I'd like to go ahead and share with your audience, uh, Rodi, is uh, Jeremiah 17.5 and 17.9 in the Old Testament. Jeremiah? Yeah. Yes. So I'm kind of rehashing a little bit about what we talked about last time, but I want to set that foundation. Okay. All righty. And Jeremiah 17.5 says, this is, this is what the Lord says, Curses a man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord. And then 17.9 reads, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. And who can understand it? So we have here that God's telling us not to trust in human beings and not to go ahead and trust in uh, our hearts. 
I talked to some Mormon missionaries uh, approximately two and a half weeks ago, and I shared those scriptures with them, and one of the lead missionaries went ahead and told me that we can't trust Jesus. He's a man. I said, Jesus is God and man. He was God, so we can go ahead and trust him. He's not a sinner. And, uh, and he told us not to go ahead and even trust our heart. Uh, Matthew 15, 16 through 20, Jesus says, not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what, what comes out. And he mentioned uh, our heart will give us a false testimony. So we don't go ahead and trust our hearts to so go ahead and determine truth. If you happen to be a Mormon and you're watching this, uh, I've had the missionaries go ahead and tell me that, well, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. And he testifies because he's the spirit of truth. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And I agree with the missionaries. That's in uh, John 14, 16. But if you go to John 15, 26, Jesus said this in John chapter 15, 26. But when the comforter is come. Yes. And I'm going to go ahead and read this from the authorized King James Version that the LDS Church goes ahead and use. And really? Yeah, and if you have, if you're watching this and you're a Christian and you have a burden to go ahead and share with uh, with uh, Mormons, it's important that you allow them to go ahead and read the scripture. Because if you're reading the scripture, then they're going to be looking at something else, and they're not going to be paying attention to you. So you allow them to go ahead, read the scripture, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to their hearts. So in John fifteen twenty six, I'm reading from the Authorized King James Version. Uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it says this, But when the Comforter is, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Ghost, is, Jesus is telling us, testifies of him, Jesus, not the Mormon's testimony or their heart or a feeling. It does not testify that, but it testifies of Christ. So, uh... So the Mormons are wrong when they go ahead and say that the Holy Spirit bears witness with, with their witness. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 John to go ahead and test the spirits, not to go ahead and pray over the spirits. So anyway, uh, and then a really key scripture that I like is in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And if you're a missionary or, or a Mormon listening to this, uh, it's a very good scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Let me know when you get there. Now, again, I'm going to read this from... Uh, the authorized uh, version. 13.5? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. So the way that we go ahead and test is, is Christ in your heart? Do you, as a Mormon, do you pray to Jesus? When I talk to the missionaries, every missionary I talk to, they do not pray to Jesus. They pray through Jesus to Heavenly Father, but they don't pray to Jesus. So I ask the missionaries, if you don't pray to Jesus, then how do you know him? Because in the Bible, they pray directly to him. And I'd like to share a couple of scriptures with you and with your audience, too. Uh, one is Jeremiah 17, 9. Excuse me, Jeremiah 29. 11 through 13, and I'm going to go to my version of the Jeremiah Bible. Jeremiah 29, you said? Yes. And this, I'm reading from the Holman version. And uh, it reads like this. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord, or Jehovah, and his decoration. Plans for of peace and of not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And you will call to me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me when you find me with all... When you search for me with all your heart. So that's Jehovah speaking there. And Jehovah to the Mormons is Jesus. Jehovah to us is Jesus too. But Jehovah's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So uh, not three entities, not uh, three gods, but one God, but three separate and distinct persons. So you have Jesus here saying that you can go ahead and pray to him. Uh, another scripture uh, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. And that reads, To uh, God's church at Corinth to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and call as saints with all those every place who call in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ our Lord and theirs. So again, we, we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament really, that you can go ahead and call on Jesus if you're a, a Mormon and you're looking at this. The Bible says that you can talk to Jesus directly and pray to him directly. And uh Without even going to that, you can go ahead and look at Third Nephi 16, 18 through 19. You had the Nephite apostles went ahead. They prayed directly to Jesus. And uh, 
One thing that really bothered me, though, uh, when I went ahead and I was reading the Book of Mormon is the, the first vision in 1820, where Joseph Smith and the Pearl Great Price, he went ahead and said that uh, all the churches are corrupt. All the Christian churches are corrupt. He went ahead and said that they that they profess me, but their hearts are are far away from me. So he said that God told him that all the Christian churches were corrupt. And then in 1 Nephi 14, 9 through 10, let me find my Book of Mormon right here. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what page it's on. That's okay. Are you, all right. I'll let you read it. All righty. It reads this way. For, and it came to pass that he said unto me, Look and behold that that great and abominable church, which is the mother of abominations, whose founder is the devil. And he said unto me, Behold, there are saved two churches. One church is of the Lamb of God, and the other church is of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongs not to the church of the Lamb of God, belong to the great church, which is the mother of abominations, and she is a whore of all earth. So what Joseph Smith was saying was there's only two churches. One, the church of, of the Lamb is going to go ahead and be the Mormon church, and the church of the devil, which is an abomination, would be all historic Christianity would go ahead and be uh, the church of the devil. So it's not historic Christianity attacking Mormonism with the first vision or first Nephi 14, 9 through 10, but it's just the reverse. So the response that I believe is that you just go ahead and share the love and truth as we're commanded in scriptures so to go ahead and preach and share the love and truth. And uh, uh, one thing that really bothered me when I read the Book of Mormon was, uh, and I'd like to go ahead and share it with your audience and share okay. it with you, sure. is uh, when I read the Book of Mormon, uh, something as simple as the birthplace of Jesus. In Alma 7.10, it says that Jesus is born in Jerusalem. But when I read Matthew 2.1, it says that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. So that's a, his birth certificate. And then in Alma 7.13, three scripture down, it says that the Mormon Holy Spirit knoweth all things. But why didn't the Mormon Holy Spirit know where he was born? And 500 years before Jesus was born in Micah 5.2, it says that Jesus would be born in uh, Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. Another thing that really bothered me, uh, it really bothered me, and I'd like to bring you to it. It's in 3 Nephi chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I'm going to use my, I have a quad here, which is the three books together, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the Progress Price. So my quad's kind of beat up here because, like I said, I, I read the scriptures. And in there, in 3 Nephi, chapter 8 and chapter 9, uh, you had, in the, Old, I mean, in the New Testament, you had Jesus go ahead and die, and then he rose from the dead in 33 AD. You have a year later that according to the Book of Mormon, that Jesus went ahead, he came to the Americas. So he was in the Eastern Hemisphere, he came to the Western Hemisphere. When he was in the Eastern, I mean, the Western Hemisphere, when he was in America, he went ahead and there was these great Nephite and Lamanite cities, and you have, they didn't believe in Jesus. And, and excuse me, and you have 19 cities, the city of Zarahemla, city of Moroni, uh, you, and I'm naming some of the cities here, uh, Zeramela, the city of Morahia, uh, Grand, Grandia, uh, Gad, Gadama, Gad, Gadamine, uh, there, there's 19 cities, I won't name all the cities, but it was men, women, and children, and they refused to go ahead and repent and to believe in Jesus. So the Mormon Jesus, he went ahead and had earthquakes come, he had fire come down from heaven. He went ahead. Uh, he had darkness. He had tidal waves come, and it killed not thousands of people, but hundreds of thousands of people. Right here in Third Nephi eight and Third Nephi nine, hundreds of thousands of people were killed with pestilence, tempests, earthquakes, uh, uh, earthquakes. It destroyed whole cities of people. Uh, you had the ocean come up. Uh, drowned people. You had Jesus sent fire down from heaven to go ahead and kill people. But And when I talked to the missionaries, they agreed with me uh, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. And I asked the missionaries, I had a question for you, because when I read the Bible, I don't see Jesus doing any of that. Uh, to give you an example, uh, 
uh, and Luke 23, if we can go to it real quickly, we won't go through all of them, but <laughs> Luke 23, 40, 34, you, you had Jesus' enemies, you have them, they're scoffing him, they're laughing at him, the, the soldiers are mocking him, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and asked the missionaries, what did Jesus say to them? And then one of them said, Father, and this is a 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Jesus forgave them. He didn't have earthquakes come down and fire and pestilence and everything. He forgave them. Unconditional love. And they were mocking him on the cross. And then asked the missionaries, you have two guys. Jesus is here. You have two on the cross. One, and this is in the account in 39 through uh, 44. And then one of the criminals hanging there began to uh, vow insults at him. If you are the Christ, the Messiah, save yourself and go ahead and save us. And verse 40, but the other answer rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished unjustly because we're getting back what we have deserved for the things we, we did. But this man had done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And so the missionaries were correct. They, they were they aware of the story here. And we went to Luke and we looked at it. I made sure they read it out of their Bible. But and I asked the missionaries, you had two, two thieves. You had Jesus in the middle. One's rival him, making fun of him. And if you're supposed to say, if you're supposed to be who you say you are, save us. And the other one, Jesus, he repented and Jesus went ahead and forgave him. So I asked the missionaries, what happened to the, 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 uh, the person who was making fun of Jesus and, and sold him and everything? They said, we don't know. I said, he ignored him. I said, he didn't have pestilence or fire come down from heaven. Uh, another scripture, I'll just go ahead and bring it up. It's uh, Matthew 27, uh, excuse me. It is uh, Matthew 23, 37, and Luke 19, 41 through 44. And Jesus is before all of Jerusalem. They rejected Jesus. And Jesus has tears coming down his eyes. And he said, how I'd like to gather you as a hen gathers her children, but because of your unbelief. Jesus wept and cried because he loved them because of their um he loved them, even though they had unbelief. He didn't have fire come down. He didn't, like in the Book of Mormon and earthquakes and you know, all these pestilence and celestial things coming down, destroying hundreds of thousands of men, women, and even children. And another uh comparison that I would like to give, and we can look at it, is Luke chapter nine. And I'm going to go ahead and use the authorized version, Luke chapter 9, what, what, uh, verse 51 through 56. And the context is here is Jesus is going to go to Samaria. So he sends two of his disciples before him before he goes. So starting with Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up and steadfastly set his face up to Jerusalem and he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into the village of the Sumerians to make ready for him and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw this they said Lord wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did but he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit you have. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So Jesus sent two of his disciples. He sent James and John. And the Samaritans would not, they didn't want Jesus to come into the village. They didn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. And then James and John said, Should we have fire come down and consume them? And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but I came to, to save them. But in the Book of Mormon, Jesus destroyed them because of unbelief. So it's not the same Jesus. And then uh, another scripture, I'm going to use the authorized version, is uh, John 3.16, which everyone's familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But look what Jesus says in John 3.17. He says this, for God sent His Son into the world to, to For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So when I wrote, when I read the Jesus of the Book of Mormon, He's a slaughterer. But when I read a year before that, the Jesus of the Bible, He's a Savior with unconditional love, even 
for the sinners who didn't believe in him. So they are not the same Jesus. The actions are totally different. They are not the same Jesus at all. And the missionaries were trying to tell me, no, it's the same Jesus. But the Apostle Paul in 46 AD gave us a warning in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And by the way, 19 cities were destroyed in 3 Nephi 8 and 9. And like I said, hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children. And if, if you don't believe me, just get the Book of Mormon. You go ahead and read it and see. Now, can I just interrupt you yes. for a minute? <clears throat> I hope this doesn't um, change your train of thought here. But are they saying that the glorified Jesus that went up into heaven came back down to earth and landed in the Americas yes. and did this? Yeah, or yeah. do they think that it was prior to Jesus dying? I, I don't No, in the Book of Mormon, if you look, it's 34 AD. So Jesus said he, he was in uh, like Israel and all those countries in the Middle East. And then a year later, he went ahead and came over to the Americas. After he had risen from the dead. Yes, after he rose from the dead to go ahead and preach to the Lamanites and Nephites and Jaredites. To go ahead and preach to them and, and preach his gospel. That's why it says the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. So it's supposed to be another testament of Jesus Christ. But as I said, this isn't another testament. Not the Jesus of the Bible. So when... All those peasants and all the people were being killed and everything. Jesus had was in heaven, and it was this voice that went ahead and came down. You know, all the all the uh, signs and all the plagues that happened and stuff, like in Egypt, was done by Jesus because of the Mormon Jesus, because of unbelief and and not repenting or anything like that. But they're not the same Jesus, though. And uh, there's many different Jesuses. There's this Jesus of the Bible. The historic Jesus, but then there's different Jesuses. And to prove my point, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through uh, 15. And I'm reading from the Holman Bible. And why are you reading from that Bible? Because it's my Bible that I go ahead and I study it and oh, read. Okay. So it reads basically the same as the authorized King James Version, okay. but it just has the these and thous in it and stuff. So if anybody doesn't feel that way, then any of your eyes can just go ahead and, and I give the reference and they can go ahead and check the reference. Okay. All right. So. So verse um, 13. 13. I'm sorry. Verse 13, right? No, it's chapter 11, verses 3 through 5. Three. Sorry. Okay. So this is an apostolic warning that the Apostle Paul gave us, and it's about 46 AD. Paul said this. But I fear just as the serpent deceived Eve by your cunning, your minds may be corrupted from the complete pure devotion of Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which we have not received, or a different gospel you uh, had not accepted, you might put up with it splendidly or beautifully. So Paul's talking about a, another Jesus, and that, that other Jesus will even come with a, a demonic spirit. And then uh, it'll come with a different gospel, and you might go ahead and believe it. And then Paul continued his warning, if you go to uh, verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Verse 15. So it is no great thing if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their destiny will be according to their deeds or works. So that means that their uh, doctrines and stuff. So again, the Jesus of the Book of Mormon is not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, I have something here that I'd like to go ahead and share with you and share with your audience. Okay. To further go ahead and prove my point, which I didn't bring up in the first uh, show, is that I have a church news. This is just a hard copy of it, which all the Lair Day okay. Saints are... Hold it up just a little bit. And... Right. This is a church news right here, and this is a hard copy of it. And this is dated... Uh, it's LDS Church News Archives, so it's dated Saturday, June 20th, 1998, and this is a late present, Gordon P. Hinckley, talking, and it's uh, the title is The Crown of... Crown of the Gospel Upon Our Heads. And again, it's the church news, news of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then Gordon P. Hinckley, who's a prophet seer, why he's talking, made this point, quote, And bearing the testimony of Jesus Christ, 
President Hinckley spoke of those outside the church who say that Latter-day Saints do not believe in the traditional Christ. Gordon P. Hinckley said this, No, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ whom I speak. For the Christ whom I speak has been revealed in the dispensation of fullness of times. He, together with the Father, appeared to the boy Joseph Smith in, in the year 1820 when Joseph Smith left the grove that day. He knew more of the nature of God than all the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. So what he's saying is, is that the, the Jesus that went ahead and appeared to Joseph, Joseph Smith in 1820 is, is not the traditional Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. So you have a prophet saying it right there, and then I have this right here. This is an Ensign magazine. It's an older magazine, and it's dated uh, May 7th. Excuse me, May 1977, and it's the 147th Annual General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ at Latter-day Saints. So it's an international conference where all the all the apostles go ahead and speak to all the all the Mormons around the world. It's televised. You have the you have the prophet there. You have his quorum of the of the three uh, apostles. Then you have the twelve apostles, and you have the seventy, and then you have all the leading authorities there speaking. And this is on page 26. Can you show that too? Yes. There's a picture of it right here. And this is uh, Elder Bernard P. Prockbank. He's one of the first quorum of the 70s. So he's a, a, a apostle. And, and their apostles are all different than Paul, Peter, John, or anything like that. He's, he's an apostle. And he went ahead and said this before everyone when he was giving his testimony. It is true that many of the Christian churches worship a different Jesus Christ than is worshipped by the Mormons or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So right here, he says that it's a different Jesus. And so the Mormon church has a different Jesus than, than, than we do. We pray to our Jesus. In fact, we worship our Jesus. And that all throughout the Bible, Jesus is worshipped. Matthew 28, he's worshipped. You have Hebrews 1.6, where all the angels Go ahead and worship Jesus in heaven. And if you're a layer day saint, do you worship Jesus? Do you pray to Jesus and offer your person talk directly to him as I'm talking to you? Or do you pray through him? If you pray through him, then you don't have the same Jesus. Now, when you tell them that, what do they say? I've had it where they tell me that we, we do have the same Jesus. But when I go ahead and show what the Bible says, and then I go ahead and show uh, this right here. A lot of times they're quiet. And then I'll ask them a question. Uh, I said, uh, the, two, the missionaries I talked to, to two weeks ago, I said, I read the Quran. I don't believe the Quran is the word of God. But I read the Quran. And, and I parallel it with the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, and the apostles and everything. I said that the Quran has a prophet. It's Muhammad. It's a holy book that's supposed to be inspired by God. So I'm comparing it with Joseph Smith and the, and the Book of Mormon. Uh, they're the fastest growing religion in the world. 1.6 billion, I told the missionaries. Uh, they do salat. They go ahead and do prayers. But when I read in the Quran, in Surah 4, 157 and 58, they divide in chapters in their surahs, I told the missionaries, that in there it says that Jesus was not crucified on the cross, that it was Judas placed on the cross by Allah to go ahead and look like Jesus. And then in the Quran, Surah 147, I'm at Sarah 5, 116, uh, it says that Jesus is not the Son of God. And I asked the missionaries that the Muslims do prayers, as I mentioned. But I asked the missionaries, how many Holy Ghosts is there? And they looked at me. I said, one. I said, I agree. But how many demons is there? And said, well, there's billions. And I said, who's answering their prayer? And they're just as sincere as you and I. But they believe that Jesus was, wasn't even crucified. And I said that you and I... I said, elders, we agree Jesus was crucified on the cross and he rose from the dead. So there's more than one Jesus. There's false Jesuses out there that come with a different spirit. And then, as it mentions, with a different gospel. And I told the missionaries that you don't have the Jesus of the Bible. And I'm not trying to judge you or anything. But I said that read the scriptures as a child. Read the scriptures as a child. Start with the book of John and go ahead and read. Jesus didn't have to go ahead and reach exaltation and progression to be God and then have to go ahead and be married. The Bible says that he was eternally God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, with, with God the Father. And that in John 1.14, the Word went ahead and took flesh. So he didn't have to progress to become God. Okay, so there Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven. Is that right? 
Yes. What 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 is their belief in terms of who Jesus is that's so different than ours? Do they just not give him godship? No, they give him godship. He, he had to go ahead and become God. He had to go ahead and get married. The wedding in Cana uh, was his wedding. Uh, they, they, uh, John 2. Yeah, John chapter 2. So in, there, in order to reach exaltation and progression of Godhead, it's in Doctrine and Covenants section 132, verses 6 through 18 and verse 37. I read your scriptures. Uh, in order to go ahead and reach Godhead, you have to go ahead. You have to be married and sealed. So that's why they had the temples all around the world. Because uh, when you're married for time and eternity, and then you'll go ahead and reach Godhood. So Jesus had to go ahead and reach, reach Godhood. Whereas it's just the inverse, whereas Jesus was eternally God, and he went ahead and he, he had a nature as God, and then he went ahead and took a human nature, so he was, he was divine, and then he was also human. Uh, you have some of the early apostles like Orson Pratt, Brigham Young, taught that Jesus went ahead and had wives, because he had to be married in order to reach exaltation, and he went ahead and had children, and he had, was a polygamist. He, uh, in the book, The Seer, which I have right here, but I can just tell you, is that Jesus went ahead and had children. So he, he had uh, several wives, and he went ahead and had, to have, and he had children. And how many children did they have? Uh, it didn't go ahead and mention, just Orson Pratt went ahead and said he had children. So he was a father and everything. But the Bible, no place mentions that Jesus was married, nor did he have to go ahead and have children, nor was he married in order to go ahead and reach Godhead. And uh, you have another big difference is, is, that, uh, is that the Mormon God was a, was a sinner in another planet, and he had to go ahead and reach exaltation and progression to go ahead and become God. And then when he reached exaltation and progression to be God, he has goddess wives. He went ahead and had sex with them to go ahead and produce spirit children. And then we go through a veil of forgetfulness. So all the children here are product of those gods. And then but we go through a veil of forgetfulness. And then we take our spirits go into bodies and stuff. So Jesus was produced by his father who went ahead and had sex with one of his God's wives in heaven. And then uh, you have uh, such in the journal of discourses and gospel principles, you had Elohim, which is God the father, went ahead and had to produce a physical body for Jesus. So he had sex with Mary. So he's not a sinner. So it's a virgin birth though, but because God can't go ahead and sin. Whereas the Bible says it was a virgin birth with no agency or anything like this. Uh, he was begotten by the Holy Ghost. Whereas uh, with Mormonism, it was uh, God the Father who, who sired him. So uh, totally different Jesus than what the Bible goes ahead and teaches. So, uh, so uh, you know, when I was shocked when I went ahead and read that, and, uh, and uh, I knew that wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. And, uh, and, but Joseph Smith went ahead and taught that. But the Bible gives us a test. And I went over the test before, and I'll just mention it. Uh, if a prophet comes with a book, he comes with a message, then we're told how to go ahead and test that message. In Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, if a prophet says something, or he gives an inspired utterance, and the thing that he says doesn't come to pass, that's supposed to be inspired, then the Bible says that he's a false prophet. And Deuteronomy 18 through 22. But what happens if a prophet does say something and it does come to pass? God gives us another test in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. If a prophet or a seer says something and it does come to pass, but if he teaches on a different God, then God is testing us to see whether we will obey him and obey his word. But that prophet who speaks another word, that prophet actually is supposed to be put to death. So, you know, we, we stay away from that, that prophet because he's not speaking inspired utterances. Uh, uh, again, Joseph Smith taught that men can go ahead and become gods. We know that's no place in the Bible. Uh, it's in the Doctrine of Covenants and just a couple of scriptures. And then I wanted to give you some quotes that Joseph Smith said. Uh, so, so Mormons believe that they can become God. Is that what you think? No, that's not what, what I, they think? Yes, that's what they go ahead oh, okay. and say. Wow. Uh, in fact, uh, this is history of the church right here. I'll go ahead and give you the quote where Joseph Smith went ahead and said it. It's volume six right here, History of the Church. And it's right here. It's a King Follett Discourse. And it's page 305. And this is Joseph Smith speaking. It's, it's God is an exalted man. It's a title. And Joseph Smith says this. And it's not his opinion. He's going ahead. He's testifying and speaking. I will go back at the beginning before the world was to show you what kind of being God was. 
God himself was once as we are now, and as an exalted man, and he sits on throne on yonder heavens. I would say if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves in all person, image, and a very form as a man. For I'm going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so you may see it. He was once a man like us, yea, God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on the earth, the same as Jesus Christ himself did, and I will show you from the Bible. So he says that he, from the Bible, it proves that God was a physical man, and then he gave what's called the King Follett Discourse. You have in Doctrine and Covenants, section 130, verse 22, which I'll go ahead and read, where Joseph Smith goes ahead and even says that he got this revelation in 1843, uh, April 2nd, and it says that it came from God, and it reads this way, Brody. The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as the Son also, but the Holy Ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but as a person of spirit. Were it not so, the Holy Ghost could not dwell in us. So he's saying that God the Father has a body of flesh and bone, just as the Son has a body of flesh and bone, but the Holy Ghost is a person just spirit. And then one of the later prophets of the Mormon church, Lorenzo Snow, said, as man is, God once was. As man is, as God is, man can become. So men can go ahead and become gods. And I was talking to a gentleman one day. Uh, I was at a thrift store, so I was, it was a desert thrift store in the city of Fontana. So I was looking through there for uh, like LDS books. And I talked to him, and he, we talked about Mormon history, and I talked to him about exaltation and progression that God did. And he says, yeah, I believe what Joseph, he was a Latter-day Saint. He says, yeah, I believe what, what he said and stuff. So I said, all right. And I said, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, can you go to your Bible? And I happen to have a Bible, and I picked it up, and I showed it to him. It was a Bible there in the bookshelves with uh, Book of Mormons and different books. So he says, yeah, I'll look at it. So I said, maybe you can look at this right here and tell me uh, it's in John 8, 44. Because he told me he's looking forward to being a God. And he, he said he's looking forward to resurrecting his wife. But he told me, man, there's this blonde. I remember when I was in high school. And man, I'm looking forward to her being one of my goddesses. So, you know, so we both kind of laughed, though. And the whole time he's thinking that. I'm a member of the church because we were talking about church history and stuff and about Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, uh, Woodruff, Riff, Riff, and, you know, we're just talking about church history and historical things. And, you know, and I, I find it fascinating talking about it. So I said, can I bring you to this and ask you about exaltation and progression? Like God did. So I said that Jesus said this. It's in John 8, 44. In fact, let me go ahead and read this from the authorized version. And like I said, I just switched back and forth. Uh, the translations read the same, but, you know, uh, I know there might be some of your audience, someone who might go ahead and be uh, a Latter-day Saint, and this is the King James Version that they use. And it's John eight forty four, and it reads this way. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So I asked the gentleman, Jesus is saying that the devil is a liar and he tells no truth. And I said, I agree with that. Do you agree with that, sir? And he says, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, the devil tells no truth. And I said, if anybody believed a lie from the devil, then, uh, you know, then they're believing, if they believe something that the devil said, then, then they're believing a lie. We can't believe anything. Jesus says he tells no truth at all. So then I said, sir, I'd like to bring you to Genesis chapter 3, verses 4. Genesis chapter, chapter 3, verse 4. And this is in the garden mm -hmm. when, uh, with Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. So uh, they get the context. Let's start with verse 3. Uh, and in fact, let's start with verse 2. This is uh, Eve having a dialogue with Satan. Satan. And the woman said unto the serpent, verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, verse 3, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Now, this is the serpent's response to Eve. And the serpent said unto the women, Ye shall surely not die. And verse 5, the serpent speaking, For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be, be gods, knowing good and evil. And I looked at him and I said, Sir, if you look at verse 5 again, ye shall be as gods. Mm -hmm. The serpent told the lie that you will be as God. As we see in the uh, 
Isaiah 14, 14, and Ezekiel 28, how the serpent wanted to go ahead and how, how the devil, Lucifer, wanted to be God. And I said, sir, Jesus said, Satan tells no truth. I said, you cannot become a God. And if you're a Mormon, there is, there is no way you can go ahead and become God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm not here to go ahead and judge any Mormon, but we know that that comes from Satan. And to go ahead and even back up that even more, we have in John 17, 3, I'll go ahead and read it to you here. We have Jesus saying this, and I'm going back to the Holman Linear Bible. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the one whom you have sent, Jesus Christ. So the only true God is, is the God of the Bible. And then the God of the Bible went ahead and said this. Go to Isaiah chapter 43. In Isaiah chapter 43, it reads this way. It's uh, chapter 43, verse 10. All right, this is what God said. He's speaking through the prophet Isaiah. You are my witnesses, declared the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. There is no God formed before me, and there is no God after me. In verse 11, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior but me. But we have within Mormonism, you, you have God, the Father, but before that God, he had a Father who was God, and before that God, you had a God who was a Father, and it just goes on forever, where you have gods before, it's infinitum. But the God of the Bible says there's no God before him, there's no God after him. You go over to the next chapter, Rodi, chapter 44, verses uh, 6 through 8, verse 44. Chapter 44, verse 6, this is what the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, says. I am the first, I am the last, there is no God but me. And skip down to verse 8. Do not be startled or afraid. Have I not told you and declared it to you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God but me? There is no other rock. I do not know of any. And then go over to the next chapter. God even speaks more. Chapter 45, verse 5 of Isaiah. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me. And then going over to uh, verse uh, 14 of the same chapter. Mm -hmm. This is what the Lord says, the product of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sebians, men of statue, will come over to you. And they will be yours, and you will follow you, and you will come over in chains and bow down to you. And then you will confess to you, to you God is indeed with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Uh, verse 18, same chapter. For this is what the Lord says, the God, the creator of the heavens. He formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now I'm going to tell you what the Mormons will go ahead and tell me, the missionaries. Ah, that's just talking about statues. It's, you know, it's like idols and everything like that. I says, oh, really? I don't believe that, though. The context could be there. Yeah, but idolatry is anybody who goes ahead and says that they make themselves or want to go ahead and reach exaltation to become God. Uh, and I'll prove my point to you. Go uh, And I told the elders, let's go over to the next book, Jeremiah chapter 10, and it's uh, verse 11. All right, let me know when you get there. Okay. All righty. And it reads this in verse, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 11. You are to say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from these heavens. And I ask the missionaries, you want to reach exaltation and progression. Did you create the heavens and the earth? And they tell me, no, I had one tell me, well, I, my, I don't remember. I said, no, you didn't if you don't remember. And I told them, then I tell the missionaries, let's go to verse 10. Jeremiah 10. So we read verse 11, 10, 11. Now let's read verse 10. But this is the Lord God. This is the true God. He is a living God, the eternal king. The earth quakes at his wrath, and the nations cannot endure his rage. Then skipping over, go to verse 12. He made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom and spread out the heavens by his understanding. And to uh, go ahead and solidify the point, I told the missionaries, let's go to chapter Acts chapter 12, and it's verse 21. So on a point, this is uh, Luke speaking, and it's again Luke chapter 12, verses 21 through 23. On the appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a public address to them. The prophets began to shout, It's a voice of a God and not a man. At once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he became infected with worms and died. Then God's message flourished and multiplied. So again, 
It's referring to idolatry, and you see what happened to King Herod here, where people were calling him a god. Now, the Mormons will go ahead and tell you, well, the Bible mentions about uh, 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 Moses speaking face-to-face -face to God, or it mentions that the 70 uh, went ahead and seen, uh, uh, the, uh, the elders went ahead and seen uh, God, and, and uh, you had Jacob go ahead and wrestle with the angel of God that was God. Well, the Bible speaks of the theophanies, and theophanies are appearances of Jesus Christ. So I have a problem, two scriptures, one where Joseph Smith went ahead and said that God appeared to him as a man, and there's a scripture I'd like to bring us to real quickly. It's Numbers... Okay, go all ahead. Right. It's we're, Numbers we're 20... We're winding down here. We're over an hour here. All right. Go ahead. Two scriptures. Numbers 23, 19, and I'll go ahead and read it. God is not a man who lies, or the son of a man who changes his man, mm. his mind. Does he speak and not act, or promise and fulfill? So God is not a man... And then the last scripture that I'd like to go ahead and share is in 1 Timothy 6.16. 1 Timothy 6.16. And it reads this, The only one who is in immortality, dwelling in an approachable light, whom no man can see or can see, to whom be the honor to eternal might. Amen. God dwells in eternal light that no man, God the Father dwells in eternal light that no man can see. John 1.18, John 6.46, John 5.37, and Colossians 1.15, you cannot see God the Father. He's invisible. He dwells in an unapproachable light that no one can see in this age or the age of see. Joseph Smith did not see God the Father. He was wrong when he went ahead and mentioned the pearl of great price. Deuteronomy 18.20 through 22 and Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5 says someone preaches a different God. Back then, they would get the death penalty, but they're a false prophet. Thank you. Wow, that is so much information. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus you'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.